The mission of the Boys and Girls Clubs of America is to help young people become productive, caring, responsible citizens. At the club, members receive the attention and care synonymous with BGCA, and when the time comes, are better prepared for their futures. What's unique is that when many of the club kids finish the program, their devotion and belief in Boys and Girls Clubs of America entices them enough to stick around and, in some cases, never leave. Take a look at the workforce and leadership of the clubs across the country, and you'll spot the pattern pretty quick. Those who benefited greatly from their club experiences are now paying it forward to the next generation themselves, fueled by a bona fide passion for the organization. This is The Nonprofit Experience, a podcast that presents candid conversations about the human experience of nonprofit work, and I'm your host, Sandy Sear. On today's episode, we're presenting an interview from inside the organization that reveals how BGCA cultivates and harnesses that passion for good. We'll hear all of this from two past club members who caught the vision early on, grew up, and have gone on to join the national office in Atlanta. London Reeves attended his childhood club in St. Lucie County, Florida, and currently works as the Director of Alumni Development. Shia Dickerson was a regular at the Brooklyn Clubhouse in New York as a kid, but now works as the National Director of Entertainment, Celebrity, and Alumni Engagement. London opens their discussion asking Shia how they first met. So, Shia? Yes? I'll kick things off. Uh, Well, first of all, let's talk about how I guess we know each other, first and foremost. You've been at BGTA for how long? I've been here for six years. Goes by fast, right? It goes by super fast. Yeah. I actually can't believe it's been six years. And then as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm like, I'm trying to remember the first time I met you. Like I remember us working <laughs> together. <laughs> but at what point was that? <laughs> Ooh, so I have stories. So I've been here a little over three years now at BGCA, but my first time encountering all the grandness that is Shia was in 2015 at the Boys and Girls of America's National Conference in San Francisco. It was one of the last sessions of the week. Um, you and your team were hosting something, uh, hosting like the uh, How to Engage the Celebrity Alumni and yeah. High Profile Alumni. And I was in this session. I'm like, I always knew I wanted to work for Boys and Girls Clubs of America mm-hmm. at some point in my life. But when I saw you, I was like, she's young. She's hip. She's cool. She has an awesome oh job. God. I'm like, I want to work with her. I want to partner and collaborate with her. And then what? Was it a year? And some change later, um, mm-hmm. ended up meeting you because I was here working. And we had like a one-on-one. You were filling me in on what all you do. Yes. And um, yeah, we've been kind of partnering together and collaborating so on things since. Oh, that's so exciting. I definitely remember our first time going live. So yes. London and I would go live on Facebook and just talk about the happenings of being an alumni, what's mm-hmm. going on with the Alumni and Friends Club. And I remember our first time going live here at Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. And that was like a super exciting It show. was. And it's been fun ever since the audience <laughs> loves that engagement with us. Yes. Shy yes. the best. Thank you. So are you. So wait, I have a question for you. So you were at that national conference in San Francisco. So then what was your process going from like, okay, I want to be at national office to like actually getting here? So that was quite the process. So I ended up leaving my hometown organization. Um, What was it about? I guess eight months after that conference. Um, and kind of somewhat gave up the dreams. I felt like I had to work through the ranks, continue to work through the ranks. Like I worked in my hometown organization for about 12 and a half years. So I was like a part-time staff Then I became a program director then a club director and did the full-time director overall for about eight and a half years. And so I felt like I had to continue climbing in the ranks to be like a COO and then eventually a CEO before coming to BGCA. 
Um, so when I resigned from my position to just try something new, I kind of gave up that dream. And then six months later, I still ended up here, which was uh, awesome. But it's completely different. I feel like working for the corporate office than being in the local clubs. Um, and it's somewhat of a challenge, I think, because I've spent so much time in the clubs and being able to see like that immediate impact that, you know, your work is making to come into the corporate office and hoping that you're making this impact and not somehow seeing the the impact seeing the results of the impact like until like a year later or many yeah. months later versus that same day or a few days later um, was a bit of a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenge for me. But I'm in here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here to stay. What was your story to get into BDCA? <clears throat> so interesting enough, I was working in entertainment. Uh, I was in New York and I worked at an organization it's called KWL Enterprises. And we basically managed artists and talent and athletes. And my supervisor at the time had a call with a man named Frank Sanchez, who worked for Boys and Girls Clubs of America, and they were interested in booking one of our artists, Trey Songs. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I didn't even know that Trey Songs actually attended a Boys and Girls Club in Florida. So anyway, the conversation gets to happen, and then I'm talking to Frank, and I'm like, I used to go to a Boys and Girls Club, but in my mind, you know, I attended the club, and then it, you know, it stopped there. My club exists. I can go back and visit. But I didn't even realize that there was a whole national like corporate office right. um, until I had the conversation with Frank. And we talked about my club experience, his club experience. And then maybe a week or so later, he just lit me over <laughs> a job opening and told me I should consider. And I had no interest in moving to Atlanta. Um, at all, but I was open for something new. And I had actually had a conversation with my previous supervisor saying, um, I want to be more in the philanthropic space. So it's cool, like being in the studio with artists, it's cool going to these shows, but what really matters to me is making a difference. Right. And if we're going to work with these influences, we should be encouraging them to have a philanthropic footprint. And my supervisor was all in. He's like, well, that's going to be your thing, you know, figure it out. And then just as fate would have it, a couple weeks later, wow. I met Frank. And would have never guessed that I would interview and work at Boys and Girls Clubs. It right. was like this crazy <laughs> moment. And then two years into my time here, we actually inducted Trey Songs into the Alumni Hall of Fame. Completely full circle. So full yeah. circle. Right? That is wild. So, that is yeah. so wild. How do you feel like your club experience uh, has shaped who you are today and mm-hmm. what you do? In a lot of ways, honestly, I think my club experience. Okay, so I grew up in the club in Brooklyn. I have an older sister who she like introduced all of us to the Boys and Girls Club. She was in a program called the Keystone. Okay. And now I know all about Keystone. Um, So Keystone is a teen leadership program at Boys and Girls Clubs of America. Um, And so my sister likes to travel, to go to conferences. And I just wanted to like be a part of that. So eventually my mom let me and my two younger brothers start going to the club with her. And so I was very shy, extremely shy. When I found out me and my sister were going to be in two different age groups, I was like, I don't think I want to go anymore. But the club really had me develop myself and come into my own mm-hmm. just as a kid. Um, I always like worked on photography in the club. There was a lot of like volunteer opportunities at the club. Mm-hmm. So I feel like my heart of service was developed at the Boys and Girls Club mm. in a lot of ways. And like I said, I didn't know that there was this trajectory that I would work for the organization right. one day at all. Yeah. Um, but that experience opened this door for me. So I love that. It's, yeah. It's interesting too that you brought up Keystone. So I would definitely say for myself, mm-hmm. um, the club has instilled a spirit of fearlessness in me, right? Mm-hmm. And that I could do anything. Yeah. And even to the extent of like, I remember 
my mentor, Mr. Marcus Dixon, we were in, in Keystone meeting. I was a freshman in high school mm-hmm. uh, and we were talking about going to this national conference. Yeah. And similar to then, at the time, I didn't even know there was like a national situation. Like, I thought it was just my club. Mm-hmm. In four periods, yeah. that was it. <laughs> that it wasn't like clubs around the country, even around the world on military installations. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, we're going to go to this conference in California. And I'm like, okay, Mr. Marcus, like, you know, Fort Pierce is a smaller type city. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to go to California. How are we going to get there? Like, how much is that going to cost? Like, what, what in the world? But he made it happen. And we fundraised and we did a lot of different things and it happened from that moment forth I knew like we can do anything like I can do anything I put my mind to whether it's like through the programs at the club like being like uh, we had a program called Mind Your Own Business and we like started our own business I was selling cookies you know I was in the kitchen whipping it up yeah <laughs> um, but you know being a Keystone officer being one of the most non-athletic kids being on a basketball team but just like the thing was like always try it. Never say you can't do something. Yeah. Like at least try it, and you never know what can happen. You can do anything you put your mind to. So mm-hmm. it was real awesome and cool. What do you think it is about the club that inspires members to stay? Ooh. That's a great, I, I mean, I would have to say, well, when you say members, do you mean like current members or like members like who've gone on from the club? Current members, I would say, especially once they're like moving to their teenage phase and they kind of make their own decisions for themselves. If their club is really providing them with opportunities and experiences that are like unmatched, that they can't get anywhere else, their teenagers vote with their feet. Mm-hmm. So they're going to continue showing up. But in addition to those opportunities and experiences, it's about the relationships. Um, for one, with that, those caring adult professionals, their staff, but then also like the friends they've made at the club. Uh, I know for myself, it's a lot of kids I would and teens, people who I would not have encountered in my life had I not gone to Boys and Girls Club, and who would not still be like a part of my life, who I consider like family had I not gone to the club. Um, the schools that I went to, I was max schools all my life. So I went to elementary with the same people. And then most of us went to the same middle and high school because it was the six through 12. Mm-hmm. So I would have only known this particular bowl of people, this, this pool of people. Um, but the club expanded my views of the world and provided me different perspectives from all walks of life. Yeah, <clears throat> I would say that too, the experiences. So one thing that I draw on uh, as inspiration for my current job, because to your point, sometimes, you know, having been in the club, it's like when you're in the corporate office, you want to see the impact and we don't get to see it every day. But I think what I get inspired by is knowing that like creating experiences for club kids that they wouldn't normally have. Mm-hmm. So whether it's having a Shaquille O'Neal visitable yeah. World club, right. As right. one of the alumni friends platforms, or, you know, it's having someone do like a non-bullying campaign at a club. Like that gives me so much inspiration because I know, and I'm a firm believer that your experiences are really what shapes your life. Yeah. And I think being at the club and being able to like go on trips, go camp and meet a celebrity that you love, like those things yeah. are life changing, especially, really you know, for a little kid in a small town. Um, so it helps you to dream bigger. And so in my opinion, that keeps club members want to come. They have new experiences. They make new friends. Right. And then I would say even alumni, you know, it keeps them wanting to come back and yeah. give back in ways. Because you realize too, like everybody's not getting that same experience 
Right. You know, even as an adult, when I sometimes share with like my peers or people who I just meet in general about like what all I did because of the club, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I wish I had went to a club when I was a kid. Or, oh, I wish there was a club in my community yeah. um, growing up. Mm-hmm. So it is pretty cool. Yeah. The club yeah. is life changing. It is. It really is. Especially when you just show up to the club and there's a celebrity happens to be there. <laughs> right. <And laughs> just sit like, in your club and want to talk to you. And then a lot of times, too, the celebrities that visit, I mean, a lot of them grew up in a boys and girls club too. Mm-hmm. And so they're alumni and they have, you know, this big heart space for club kids. And it'll even go further to them end up doing something like special for the club. Mm-hmm. So I have an example. We did a event with Kelly Rowland in Los Angeles. And one of the boys like loved Kelly, loved her music and all this stuff. So he ends up sharing with her like, I'm on a basketball team and you know, we have to get our jerseys. And she's like, here's my assistant's information. I'm going to sponsor all the jerseys for your oh, team. Wow. And I saw Kelly and her assistant at another event we did. And she's like, you, we sponsored all the jerseys. And oh, like, wow. it was a big deal. But yeah. that just happened because he had this unique opportunity. He used it. He spoke wow. about his basketball team. And out of the kindness of her heart on her own, yeah. she chose to sponsor all the uniforms. So, wow. It's stuff like that that I'm like, okay, yes. Like, <laughs> love what I do. <laughs> love what I do. This is the right thing. And these are experiences that these kids would never forget. Yeah. It, yeah. Can't, be, it can't be matched. Yeah. What's the advantage for BGC having you on board, Shia? Well, I think the biggest advantage is having, so when we talk about a mission, mm-hmm. like the mission of the organization, in so many ways, like, I am and was that mission. Mm-hmm. So I think it's one thing to talk about something and like, these are the kids you want to reach. These are the programs. But it's another thing to have have had been that child yeah. and have experienced the club and know the ins and outs of like what it's like to be a kid at a Boys and Girls Club. So when we talk about the kids that we serve and we talk about the programs that we want to put in play, I'm like, you know, I was that kid. There's no separation. Yep. There's no guessing on like, oh, I wonder what it would be like. It's like, no, I went to the class, started going to the club when I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. And I went to the club all the way through high school. My brothers play basketball at the club. Like, I right. know what it is what it to is. be a club kid. And oftentimes, too, I know what it is that these kids in all these different communities, because there's all types of kids that go to a boys and girls club, different, like two parent home, one parent home, you know, yep. all sorts of different income ranges and demographics. And I get that because I attended the club and I saw that, like, there was diversity, you know, within my club mm-hmm. with different experiences. So I think the biggest advantage is having experience at all firsthand. So there's no removal it takes all the guessing out of it and then the other thing i think the advantage is there's a level of passion that's like yes unyielding yeah. this is like that owns the room this is my life this is my <laughs> life's work this is very near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. um because i know what it's done for me and i know how beneficial it can be for others right so yeah i definitely feel like alumni or the living proof mm-hmm. that the mission works for one and I think yeah. even I know for myself, like the advantage of when I worked in my local club, mm-hmm. the reason I was able to do, I feel like all the great things that took place there was because of my experience at the Boys and Girls Club and what I remember my mentor doing for us and wanting to recreate those experiences and opportunities, but mm-hmm. take it to the next level. Yeah. And so I know even when like I became a club director and I was hiring on staff, 
Like, I looked for people who worked at a club, even if it wasn't from my specific, or I grew up in a club, if it wasn't my specific organization, like, they might have came from Broward County, or they might have came from um, Orange County in Orlando, but I knew those staff mm-hmm. knew what to do, because yeah. they grew up in the clubs, and they wanted to also, too, recreate those same experiences, but take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely the best thing, I feel like, about hiring on a, a club kid, yeah. um, whether it's at BGCA or a local organization. Mm-hmm. They know they know what to do, yeah. and they're extremely passionate about it. Yeah, I agree. Are there any challenges you think that comes with Ooh. it? I mean, I, with life, there's always going to be a challenge, yeah, right? In definitely. some capacity. I think sometimes maybe working for BGC and coming with the club experience, we may be like, I don't want to say too passionate, yeah. but want it like our way. And sometimes we can't see beyond like the way we want it to go, maybe mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but I wouldn't say anything like extreme challenges that I could think of. Yeah. What about you? Similar. I think the biggest challenge for myself as an alumni is having to remember that Boys and Girls Clubs of America, or even if it was like a local organization, is a business Mm -hmm. and has to be run like a business. business, And although it's a mission based organization, there are some things that have to be done for the bottom line of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes the challenge for me, because to your point of being too passionate, it's like this is about the kids. We need to do this. And it's like. And at the same time, when we raise funds, we need operating dollars because that's how you get paid. And that's how the organization sustains itself. And then there's a portion of those funds that could benefit local clubs. So I think sometimes a challenge might be getting caught up and being like, no, like Mm -hmm. this is the mission. This is what it's about. And forgetting that, like the business side has to run as well. And, you know, all that passion. Right. Good, <laughs> and you know you gotta like level it out. <laughs> right, because with the business side comes the the work that's not so much fun. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as much fun. That's yeah, for sure. It has to be done. You still have to do your expense reports, and you still have to like. And you, you know those expense reports are just <laughs> oh, so tedious. Right. Yes. <laughs> but they're necessary. But they're, they're necessary, necessary. <laughs> right? So yeah. So being a club kid, how do you explain your experience to those who maybe haven't um, been to the club? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. It's like, wow. It's almost like, how do you describe color to somebody who can't see? You know, um, for me, I think it's just about sharing your story and mm-hmm. what it was like, because I feel, especially because I feel like no one club kid is experiences the same as another's. Yeah. I always let people know, like like you said, your siblings went to the club. Me and my sister went to the club, too, started at the same time. Mm-hmm. But our experiences and our takeaways were two completely different things. Yeah. Um, I was more of the, like, leadership and, like, business track. And my, it was what I would call it now. And she was more of the, like, socialization and the arts. And that just not, wasn't who I was. Yeah. Um, but definitely just sharing my story. I feel like the club... I never viewed myself as having less than. Like I didn't come from a two-parent household, even mm-hmm. to where at one point, you know, the three of us, my mom and my sister and I stayed with like, my grandparents and some of my other cousins were staying with my grandparents mm-hmm. as well. But I never felt like I went without anything. I didn't see it. That was just my life. That was norm. Even when I think about like the, the summertime, you know, hanging out in my grandma's neighborhood and playing with other neighborhood kids. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. That was fun. But when it was time to go back to school and other kids were talking about they went to Universal Studios or they went to yeah. Wet Wow. I'm like, well, I didn't do those things. Yeah. But I still had a great <laughs> summer. But because of the club, 
I was able to go and do those things. So I also would have like those stories, plus hanging out in my grandma's neighborhood with my mm-hmm. friends there to come back to school with. So I don't know. I just had to just share, like just share my story and all the cool things I got an opportunity yeah. to do and things that I learned mm-hmm. um, more than anything. Yeah. How about you? Same. I would just have to share my story and let them know. So when I do share my story too, I like to share some of the fun things, obviously, but also how I saw myself grow within mm-hmm. the club. But to your point, sometimes I find myself telling my siblings story because <laughs> I'm like, they had such like cool club stories. So we all literally like we went to this same boys and girls club that was in our community and we all had our own different experiences. And in a lot of ways, the boys and girls club, that's what they are. They cater to each individual yeah. child and their individual needs. So, you know, my older sister was super social. Like mm-hmm. she was in Keystone. She was doing all the things. I wasn't as social at that age, but I found a little lane for myself, and that was photography. Mm-hmm. And at the time, telling my age, we had like basically like a bread room, so to speak. So it was like a dark room. Oh, wow. like, yeah. And so we would, I would take pictures around the club and then go into this room to develop the negative. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a <laughs> thing for me like I love and I spent so much time in that room I wasn't too much socializing (laughs) I was just snapping pictures in there running in there to like develop and hang them and like it was just so much fun um but in you know in so many ways I think I just try to let people know that the club really caters to an individual yeah and like I can only share my experience and how great it was for me and if you talk to someone else they'll have their own unique experience within the same organization you know what? It's so many like fascinating parts that you just brought out. Like for one, the fact that the clubs—I don't even know how how we and they do. I'll say we and they yeah. do it to where we can cater to an individual like child and what their like interests are. When it's mm-hmm. only let's just say one staff for every like fifteen, maybe even upwards mm-hmm. of twenty kids, yeah. but they all still feel like they get that special like interest from the staff and from their mentors at the club, mm-hmm. which is always fascinating. Yeah. But then even to like when sharing stories with other club kids and hearing what they had at their club, I'm like, we didn't have no red room for photo uh, development. Did y'all have a pool? We did not. He, oh, listen, we didn't have a pool. Outside. Yeah, we didn't, have, we didn't have a pool. But it's like you go to some clubs mm-hmm. and again, just like the experiences are all different. Like the clubs are like all different, but it's still just such a heart. Mm-hmm. At the, it's like an energy. Yeah. At every club you go to, there's an energy, mm-hmm. but they all look they're all different. different. Like they're yeah. not cookie cutter at all. Yeah. Like, I've been to some amazing clubs. Mm-hmm. Some that have the swimming pools, like the Olympic size swimming pools yeah. and the rock climbing walls and the <laughs> huge gymnasiums. Um, but not every club has that. But every club is something about the energy when you walk through the door at a boys and girls club. That's the truth. Yeah. And I've noticed that, like, grateful enough to be able to travel to different mm-hmm. clubs doing this work. And every club is different. Yeah. Different resources, but that feeling and that energy is there. Yeah. And I feel like every club has either like a pool table or like a ping pong right. table, no <laughs> matter do, what the resources are. I like, do feel like the game room through. is the heart. It is yeah. the beating heart of a club yeah. and a pool table is absolutely necessary yes. or a minimal, a ping pong. Because uh, yeah. ping pong is a little bit more affordable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so, that is it's yeah. a must. I definitely learned how to play all the games mm-hmm. at the Boys and Girls yes. Club. So yes. funny. Do you feel like there are any misconceptions that you want to dispel about the club? Yeah, actually, to that same note about a games room, mm-hmm. one of the myths I would dispel is that the club is all games. Mm-hmm. I know there was a time where like people were referred to the club as like swim and gym. Like, oh, right. kids go there after school to play or they go in the summer to play. 
And yeah, that is the heartbeat of the club. Right. The fun. Um, but one thing I would dispel is that like kids are just out here playing with no mm-hmm. structure because it's deaf like that. Oh, not, not what the club is at all. There's so much structure. And again, within that structure, kids still get to be kids. Right. Because so, even sometimes in school, that's lost. It's so much structure. You forget that like kids are kids. Yeah. Like they need to play. And so the club hasn't lost that. There's still an amazing game room in every club. Mm-hmm. There's still opportunities to play. But there's power hour. Like before you yes. start playing, you're going to do your homework. Absolutely. Um, there's meals that the kids are going to get. And then there's different programs. So that's one of the biggest myths. I have another one, too, but maybe I'll let you no, 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 because I'm going to feed off of you. Okay, so Give my other myth is like <laughs> the club is only for a certain type of kid. Mm-hmm. And usually it's a very low demographic kid. And so sometimes they hear like, yeah, they serve underserved kids or like poor kids. Right. And that's that like frustrates me a little bit because, yeah, actually the club is super beneficial to underserved kids. But mm-hmm. that's not all that the club serves. Mm-hmm. And so I would dispel that myth because there's clubs all over. And I mean, there's 4,600 boys and girls clubs and we serve. How many? 4.7 million. So, I mean, from all over, you go out to the San Francisco Valley and there's like the tech world. Like they have a club that's Mm -hmm. serving those kids and there's clubs on military bases. Mm -hmm. There's clubs on native lands. Like we literally service all types of kids all over. Yeah, absolutely. And not just small kids Mm -hmm. through all the way through 18 years old. Or when they graduate high school. Mm-hmm. I know something interesting that you brought up for me, too, was, like, just the power hour. When I was running the club, like, my kids and teens, they knew you, when you walk through these doors, you're going to go to your left. Because to the left was, like, the education. That's where you went to show whether you were a sophomore in high school or a third grader in elementary school. You're going to do your homework first. But I had a teen who, he was a freshman in high school by the time he started coming to our club. We were a newer club at the time. And the second nine weeks is when we first saw his report cards. And he had like a 0.333. I don't know how in the world (laughs) that even happens. But we were like, Johnny, like you have to do better. So between myself and like two other specific staff that work with him, you know, we got him like, no, you have to come to this homework room every day. As soon as you get here to the club, like, you know, knock out whatever you got to do. We'll help you, yada, yada, yada. Um, And by literally within the next nine weeks, by third nine weeks, he brought it up to a 3.0, which is like, how how do you go from a 0.3 Three, 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 three. I'll never mm-hmm. forget that to a 3.0. And so we were so proud of him. And he was like, well, nobody ever cared before. Like his mom worked year round, like around the clock. Um, his teachers never really tried to like make him do his work or yeah. ask him what's going on at home or anything like that. They said nobody ever cared before. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, well, if you put on this 3.0, let's see what you can do for the next nine weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for the fourth nine weeks, he walked in the club. I would never forget with a 3.5. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I, knew, I figured if I could do a 3.0, I could do a little, try a little harder. Mm-hmm. And so it just reminded me that like sometimes you just have to like give that like encouragement and ask somebody like what's going on and why you aren't. Like you could do better. Like you can do better than this mm-hmm. um, than what you're doing. So that's one thing. Like the programs, I feel like at the club are definitely extremely beneficial. But you know, it's that staff, those caring adult professionals um, who are at the club, there for there for every kid. And so, like you said, I cringe when I hear someone say like, "Oh, I wasn't a bad kid," or "I came from a two parent household," or "Oh, my parents loved me." Oh wow! You know, I have to like. Breathe, because in my head I'm like, my parents loved me too. Yes. What do you What do you mean? Like, I went to the Boys and Girls Club, and so I had to just remind myself, like, okay, they don't know, they don't mean any harm for what they're saying, but they don't know. So if I had to dispel anything, it would definitely be that the club again is for every kid. You have kids who are walking to the club. You have kids who are getting picked up in Mercedes Benzes. Mm-hmm. You know, it just 
it's given to, it's any kid yeah. and they all can truly benefit from attending a boys and girls club because the experiences and opportunities again are just going to be unmatched they're going to be more well-rounded um and be able to socialize and operate with anybody in the world after going to a boys and girls club because the diversity there is just a pool of different people mm-hmm. from all different types of walks of life and yeah just the experiences and opportunities i would say are again unmatched yeah um, what would you say are the key issues and challenges facing you in the work that you do? Huh. That is a this this that is a loaded question. A loaded one. Let me think. Hmm. <laughs> if you have something, you can go for it. Issues I'm like... and challenges. So I would say for me, I don't know if I was calling it an issue, but I would just say mm-hmm. the challenge would be that you know, we're an organization that's been operating for over 150 plus years, mm-hmm. but we really didn't, as far as the everyday alum goes, we didn't really start trying to identify and engage with them until 2015. Mm-hmm. So the challenge would be is really establishing that alumni culture within the movement as a whole from BGCA all the way through the local clubs and getting them to, again, engage with their alumni who are local to their to their club, whether they grew up in that organization or not, and really having them involved to kind of get that hand up. Like they were given when they were going through the clubs and getting all the organizations on board with that, whether those alumni are serving on their boards, whether they're actually like staff members, whether they're just strictly volunteers and maybe work for like a company who can come in and, you know, do club cleanups or do donations for the organization mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. I feel like those are that would be like a challenge getting everybody on board and really creating that alumni culture throughout the movement. We're making progress, though. We're yeah. making progress. No, that's really good. And I guess to that point, I'm thinking from a marketing perspective. So to the point of this being a business Mm -hmm. and the way that we have to distribute funding for things. Sometimes I think with marketing, we have to use all of our resources to really get our messages out Mm -hmm. Um, because there's never been like a huge, let's say, like pot of funding to like pay for advertising and things like that. So I do think that's something that we bump up against. But make it happen Mm -hmm. because we're really like i'll say blessed to have voices like living proof of alumni who've Mm -hmm. gone on to become the denzel washington's and the misty copeland's and so we really do get to use those stories to get the word out there but i want every community every family every person to know that boys and girls club exists and to know where it exists so just like from a marketing perspective dollars are always like a beautiful thing to help get messages out there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So Shaj, why do you think a conversation like this is important? I think it's important for a number of reasons. So I'm just thinking about myself and my own career trajectory and just always wondering like, how do I get back? How do I do something that feels good? I think a conversation like this is important, one, to be able to reflect upon our journey mm-hmm. to get to where we are and then even look into the future where we see ourselves, where we see the organization. And then also I think it's important to highlight organizations that are really, really doing the work, keeping our kids safe, creating programming that's beneficial to our country. So yeah, that's why I think it's important. Yeah, I agree. And especially when you're hearing from the voices who might not get heard from the most, like, you know, some organizations is only going to be like the chiefs that you hear from, mm-hmm. or when you're hearing from like director levels and national directors or whatnot, or those who are like working in the local clubs, mm-hmm. you get the real, some of the more of the meat mm-hmm. of what's really taking place with the everyday uh, people in yeah. the organizations. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. All right, well, thank you, Shia, for spending some time with me. Yeah, thank you. This was really good. I'm really happy that our paths have crossed. Absolutely. Grateful for Boys and Girls Clubs and for this opportunity. So, I love yeah. sharing an energy with you. Same. I really do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, thank Shia. You. Have a good one. You too. That's it for us this week. Thanks again for listening and supporting our show. 
This episode was edited by our producer, Preston Whitwer. Shalina Omar is our digital director, and Andre Tidwell is the production assistant. All of our music was composed by David Mueller. I'm the executive producer and your host, Sandy Sear. This show is a listener-supported project of the Philanthropy Journal. You can find show notes and access previous episodes at philanthropyjournal.org. And don't forget, if you can, help out a neighbor, check out your library's audiobook collection, and read the latest resource article at philanthropyjournal.org. 